Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, on March 20th, this third Sunday of Lent. We are glad that you all are here, whether you are with us in person or online. Again, Mass are uh, not required for being present with us, uh, recommended by the Departments of Health, and it seems like there are a few of us that still want to be in Mass, and you are welcome to do that, uh, feel comfortable about doing that. We want to uh, accommodate everybody's sense of, of health safety, so let us uh, encourage one another to do what feels right for ourselves and to respect one another's sense of uh, necessary space. The flowers this morning are celebrating the 55th wedding anniversary of Barb and Russ Stone. And they're, they're here, aren't they? I thought I saw them here. There they are. Okay. Uh, happy anniversary and many, many more, we hope, uh, coming your way. Today is the Bowls of Hope for the uh, Many Mansions project that we, uh, many of us support here through our church. 11 to 2 at uh, CLU. Uh, support that if you can. Our families are gathering March 27th, that's next Sunday, uh, after worship, uh, soon after worship, for an uh, egg scavenger hunt, uh, gathering uh, in front of the youth building. So if you are a, a family person, uh, come and join us for some, some good fun. The Community Care Fund is our mission of the month the fund uh, that Rachel and I will be using on behalf of you all uh, to care to people that come to us from outside of our church family in need of some assistance. And uh, let me just also remind you of uh, the volunteer opportunities that are before us. As we, as we start to gather, um, some of us are feeling very confident um, that things are on the upswing for us to be able to be with one another in person. Uh, some others of us are a, a bit anxious about what we're reading that's happening in China and in Europe with a, a new variant spreading. We don't know how this all is going to go, but we're moving forward with in-person worship as safely as we can uh, towards Easter, and so we are in need of, of people who might like to cook and be uh, helpful for our uh, hospitality time after worship with cookies and things like that. We want to be uh, mindful also of the opportunity just to make some coffee for us, and, and uh, so many of us like to have a cup of coffee and chat after worship, so that's another thing that uh, uh, you could volunteer to do. Not uh, asking too much of you, but something that would be important for us as a uh, community gathering together. We also will be looking to get our ushers uh, back in gear, though a little bit differently than the pre-pandemic days. We don't have bulletins to hand out, but we still want to be greeting people as they come to worship and helping them with any questions they might have. Our ushers would be doing that. If that sounds like something you could do, please let John Dockin know. Also, we'll be uh, using uh, live, at least they have the appearance of being live, uh, to us who are here, uh, lectors reading uh, the scripture on Sunday. And if that strikes your fancy as something that you might want to uh, contribute to the good of the cause with, let uh, Joanna know in our church office. 
So today we continue on with our Lenten sermon series on why it is Jesus gets our attention, why it is we are drawn to Jesus as he's presented to us through our scriptures, why it is that we might even uh, say that we love Jesus. We see Jesus in a variety of roles in Scripture. We've already looked at the sense that he was uh, the God-man. We've looked at how he was a, a sage rabbi, a, a teacher, a preacher to people. And, and many of us uh, light up about Jesus because of his, his wisdom or because he is like us in that capacity of being human. Today we're looking at the presentation of Jesus as the miracle worker, the healer. So let us center ourselves and get down to the business of worship, opening ourselves to God's leading in our lives. body or spirit as we join in our call to worship. The God of the cosmos is the Lord of life, to whom we draw near through Christ Jesus. pray. Holy God, we pray for your presence and your strength along our journey towards the cross and the tomb and the sunrise of Easter. May we look well within ourselves and with your Spirit's help, may we experience in our worship your presence and power, your wisdom and grace, beckoning us towards the life you envision for us. We pray that you would help us reach that goal. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Be seated, please. time in our worship service where I have the opportunity to talk to the children of our church. Last week I asked a question of you guys of what is your favorite way to pray? And guess what? I remembered to send out the email, guys. After I teased myself about forgetting to send emails, I sent it out last week on time asking for it, and I got one response back. And I thought it was an important response because sometimes we think that prayers need to be at certain times of day, or it's when we wake up, or it's when we're in church, or it's when we go to bed. But we can pray before meals, we can pray when we're at school and about to take a test, we can pray for a lot of different reasons. And the email response that I got back today was one of those prayers that you say before a meal, or what we call grace. And it's one that their older brother learned uh, while he was away at camp, and he brought it home from camp, and shared it with their family, and they've said it ever since. And the prayer goes like this. Thank you, God, for milk and bread and other things so good. Thank you, God, for those who help to grow and cook our food. Amen. What I love about that prayer is that it's two lines long. Not too long. Your prayers don't have to be complicated. They don't have to be be 10-minute prayers or anything like that. It could be two sentences that show your appreciation to God and how you live your life. So recognizing that food nourishes your body and giving thanks for it is a great place to start. And then recognizing that there's people who made that food possible for you through whether it was the gardening and the planting and the reaping of the plants that they've, they've grown or the people who cook the food, saying thank you for those people that help us on our faith journey, help us to grow, help us to be nourished so that we can serve God. All of those are great things. So in this Lenten season, as we think about how we can pray to God and talk to God, taking that time before our meals might be one of those opportunities where we add some prayer into our lives and have that conversation with God. All right, will you guys join me in a moment of prayer as we talk to God? At our church, we do a repeat-after-me prayer. Everyone's encouraged and invited to join in. Dear God, God, thank you for today. Thank you for for tomorrow tomorrow. and all of our yesterdays. yesterdays. Thank you for loving us us. and being there for us. us. Thank you for being open open. when we are prepared to talk to you. Help us listen as well. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, our elementary school-aged children are invited to head off to Sunday school and younger.
please join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we ask that you do hear our prayers, that you listen to us, and that we take a moment to listen to you as well, to hear the ways in which you are guiding us, directing us, and inviting us to take those next steps of faith, whether it be in personal renewal and growth, or in ways in which we serve the community to represent your love and grace to those who surround us. Lord, this day as we reflect on who Jesus is in our lives and how he is that healer and miracle worker, help us to see the ways in which he has touched our lives and invites us to be a blessing to others as well. Lord, you know the prayers that are on our hearts possibly better than we know them ourselves. But we come to you this day with the prayers that have been shared with our community, and we lift them up to you at this time. We join with Candy Wilcox lifting up prayers for Jim Giuliano as he recovers from surgery that he had this past week. Be with him in his healing and in his doctors in discerning his course of treatment. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join with Jeannie Severance lifting up prayers for her neighbor who is in need of comfort and discernment at this time. Let her know your presence, let her feel your peace, and let her know that she has a community of people surrounding her, offering her support. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join Carol Ames in lifting up prayers for Monica Bennett, who has ovarian cancer, which has metastasized with tumors strangling her intestines. We ask that you be with her in her healing from her recent surgery to relieve the obstruction, and we ask you to be with Monica and her family as they face this latest development and trust you to carry them through this challenging journey. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we lift up all of the places in our world that are experiencing natural disasters and turmoil at this time. We lift up prayers for Japan, as they rebuild after their recent earthquake. We lift up prayers for Ukraine and the surrounding regions as they are facing unrest and conflict at this time. Be with them as they persevere, that they know your presence, and be with all of us throughout the world as we continue to seek ways to offer support. Lord, we don't just come to you with concerns, but we come to you with joys as well. We lift up joys for the stones and their 55 years of marriage. We thank you for the ways in which you have nurtured their relationship and used them as an example of enduring love. We ask you to be with them as they continue to grow in their faith and their love together. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We take a moment at this time to lift up the prayers that are on our hearts in this time of silence. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray all these things saying the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. taking some time to look at the varied roles and qualities of 
Christ Jesus as presented to us through scriptures, searching for our rationale for maybe what would motivate us to seek after him and, and follow Jesus. Perhaps even go to the extent of saying, um, I love that guy. So today, we're going to be listening to some scripture, and um, this one is a good transition from last week. Jesus is, is pictured as teaching and healing as he interacts with people. Both of these things occur, and we wonder just how much one is really the other, or perhaps how both might be the same. Lessons bring healings, and healings teach lessons. Well, Janelle, let us hear our scripture for today. This scripture is from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Burton Mack was one of my seminary professors out of Claremont, and he just died this last week, and so it's a, it's a bit of sadness to to recognize that. He was uh, one of the leading scholars, the Gospel of Q um, enterprise in Christianity. And he wrote a book, The Myth of Innocence, Mark and Christian Origins. And in it, he writes, Jesus the teacher was the same as Jesus the miracle worker because his authority to perform miracles was the same as his authority to teach. Now Matthew presents what we've just heard Janelle read uh, a little differently. Matthew, in his gospel, writes, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame, his fame spread throughout Syria and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, uh, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them all. And great crowds followed him. Jesus is working wonders throughout the Jewish known world, and the people are responding in crowds to him and benefiting from just being seemingly in his presence. Now, I'll confess to you that I have had a hard time taking all of this miracle stuff at face value. Now, maybe you do, or maybe you're more like me, is that when you read this stuff, you wonder, well, what actually really is going on here? Uh, I'll own up to the fact that I am a 21st century rationalist, and so there are some hurdles that I need to jump to uh, accept this role of Jesus 
into my life. Though I will say that I feel I have experienced spiritual healing manifested physically in myself through my faith. So I, like you, may be very much in the same quandary of mentally uh, contorting over that, but in our experience going, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Don't know what's going on, but thank you, Jesus. So I'm trying to be honest with you this morning as we explore this and try to get down to what may be some of the perspectives on this that help us or hinder us in our thinking. Did these miracles really happen? We don't have that type of events happening in our day like is reported about Jesus. Perhaps these events are totally exaggerated, totally exaggerated in the storytelling. Now, many people take this position. Mid-20th century New Testament scholar Rudolf Bultmann's position was, the stories about Jesus were a product of the cultic imagination. Miracles and the historical Jesus have nothing to do with one another. He writes, Boltman was riding on the wave of rationalism as it took a good look at our scriptures and tried to demythologize Jesus. That was the language. Now, don't be too smug and sit back and say, well, yeah, 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 or something like that, because this is exactly what we are asking our friends in the Muslim faith, to be doing with their scripture, bringing scholarship to bear upon those words and not just blindly agreeing with whatever is said there. So we get ourselves off the high horse and we just kind of think about, well, what's Boltman up to by saying this? Is there any help for us in saying this? Many of us feel that his line of thinking humanized Jesus too much. And we like that humanizing aspect, but we like the divine aspect as well when we think about Jesus as the Christ. And this line of thought is just pushing too much towards the, the pole of him just being a human. A good guy, but a human. Most of us want that God-man that we talked about the first Sunday of Lent as our understanding of Jesus as the Christ. The dual nature, however that was able to happen, that dual nature that helped us connect existentially with Jesus because he's like us, but also raises us up because he is divine as well. So we wonder, we wonder though, if things like this did not happen back then, how could anyone at the time get away with saying that they did happen back then? 
And how could the person it refers to as the miracle worker build any kind of positive reputation about what he's doing if everybody knows he's a fraud and it's all lies about what he's doing? Wouldn't he be seen as a crackpot or, or maybe some kind of charlatan? Yet we know Jesus did build a positive reputation about himself. And the stories about him don't challenge whether he did them or did not do those miracles. That's not the question. The question is, on whose authority are you doing this stuff, Jesus? Where do you get off doing this stuff, Jesus? How did he have the authority, the right, to do this? So when we're thinking about the miracles, we need to kind of take that into account as well. That's, this is part of a facts of the, of the terrain of what's going on. Yet, you know, considering this further, if Jesus was really wowing people with miracles, how could they not have followed him more fervently with longer-lasting devotion? Think about it. If your son appeared dead and then came back to life thanks to Jesus, how would you feel about Jesus? And, and wouldn't the rest of your life you be worshiping that Jesus? Oh, my Lord. My son was dead and now he's alive. Or what if you had your sight restored or your leprosy cured? Or you saw other people who, who seem to have been possessed, being released and coming back into normal life. How would you have reacted to the person who was responsible for making that happen? Well, I think we we would have been amazed. We would have been blown away by that person and we, we would have been devoted to that person, particularly if it was a very uh, intimate thing that happened to us or to our loved ones. Following him to the, to the end of time, I would guess. You would just love this person, honoring and worshiping this person for this life-transforming event that was part of your life. Wouldn't you have? Uh-huh. Now, as we know, these folk who were the recipients or the witnesses of these miracles crowded, as we heard in our two scriptures, one that Janelle read and one I read, crowded around Jesus at the moment. But as time passed, they, they seemed to take a little bit more casual attitude, it seems, about Jesus. Wild at the moment, but not so wildly appreciative later on, particularly when the circumstances turned against Jesus. So that's kind of bothersome, isn't it? And it makes us wonder all the more. Have I confused you all totally? Let me try another thing. Another alternative is the idea 
that these unusual events that we think of nowadays as unusual events, in those days, these types of miracles were not unusual. That's another take. You know, and interesting, a little study into these times revealed that there were a number of people that were considered wise men or miracle workers walking the Greco-Roman hillsides during the approximate time of Jesus' life. And perhaps the most famous is Apollonius of Tyana, that's around Cappadocia, around Turkey, up in that area of Turkey. We learn of him from Philostratus, who wrote his biography, which refers to his miraculous birth, having a group of wandering disciples along with him, his miracle workings, and his disappearance during a trial. New Testament scholar John Dominic Crossan notes that many people were doing what would amount to magic in those days, altering states of reality through whatever powers, through whatever powers they had at hand. And priests were the main practitioners of this. People went to the local priest for healing. If they didn't go to the temple of the Roman god, Esculapius. So apparently, if you were living at that time, you had a couple options about how to get doctored. Jesus being one of them. Now, when we think about this, this may be really bothersome in our thoughts also, but it actually is biblically reported to us, so we shouldn't be startled by this point of view towards it. Remember, in our scriptures, there is a reference to another exorcist casting out demons in Jesus' name. You can read about this in Mark or in Luke. The disciples bring this to Jesus' attention, not because there is another person doing exorcisms, and Jesus was supposed to have the corner on the market of working miracles. That's not why they bring it to him. That's not the issue. The issue is that this guy is doing it in Jesus' name, and we don't even know who this guy is. This may be a problem for us, they're saying to Jesus. And Jesus responds saying, hey, what's this guy doing? No, he, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, only I can do this stuff. He doesn't say that. Rather, he says, ah, don't worry about it. Seems like this guy is working on our side. Ending with the aphorism, for whoever is not against you is for you. Hmm. What a mess. So I think we're left with healing behaviors happening in those days that are passed on to us 
as miracles in that they were pretty unexplainable events that altered reality. And some of them taught lessons beyond the scope of whatever the healing magic was that was involved. A good number of Jesus' miracle stories, and I'm thinking we don't get the full uh, reporting of all the things that he did that were seen as miraculous. We probably just have a subset of the things that bubbled up uh, most surprisingly or most uh, amazingly. 21 times he's reported as healing people with particular problems. Uh, the lepers, the paralytic person, the woman with the, the hemorrhage. There's a number of times he uh, gives miracles, participates in miracles, dealing with the environment, with, uh, with nature, the stilling of the storm, the turning, turning of water into wine. These other, these other guys who are roaming the hillsides are not stopping storms. They're making somebody feel better somehow. Jesus' miracles are a little more expansive. Perhaps a little more dramatic. And that there's a couple times he brought people back to life who were known to be dead to those around them. The widow's son at name, Lazarus. These other magicians didn't do that. And then there's things that I would just call marvelous, magnificent events. You know, besides his birth, the transfiguration, his resurrection, and his ascension, we have him walking on water. We have him feeding the 4,000 or feeding the 5,000. The gospel author of John refers to these miracles as signs, that they have, they have a power in themselves that are beyond what's actually going on. And that may be another way in which Jesus' miraculous activities, his healings, convey more and have more power for us than the other magicians walking on the hillsides. Jesus' healing wonders serve as parables pointing to the truth of who Jesus really is and the direction the world is really headed now that Jesus is on the move. Signs are not proofs, they are, they are pointers, they are, they are glimpses of who God is and what God wants. 
revelations of who Jesus was, his, his divine identity, his authority, indications of, of what it is God is hoping, wanting for us in our lives, that sense of wholeness, that sense of healing, of abundance. within the context of the human creature living his or her life on this planet of God's. Talking specifically about the healing of the thousands, Bishop Willimon writes, it's miraculous for sure. But note the particular way that the miracle almost an interruption in the mission of Jesus, in this case is his teaching to so many folk, and the way in which Jesus utilizes whatever his disciples have among them in order to work his miraculous healing. He takes what we have blesses it, and gives it to nourish a hungry world. Can you see why this is the only miracle reported in all four Gospels? It's impressive that Jesus feeds the multitude. It's perhaps more impressive that sometimes... He uses the modest gifts of ordinary people like us to do miraculous works. And perhaps this is the biggest miracle of all, this miracle of being able to work effectively through us humans. Might that be the biggest miracle? More amazing than he himself bringing sight or giving health? Well, maybe so, I wonder. And I just love this about Jesus. That Jesus does not give up on these creatures, human, and moves into our lives 20 centuries ago and now with a power to bring forth new life, new possibilities, new choices, healing, regeneration. A new start, a second chance, a forgiveness that breaks the, the chains of guilt and shame and lets them fall at our feet and empowers us to step forward away from them so that indeed we in our own lives might actually feel like we've been born again.
empowering us to care and love beyond our skin, beyond our family relations, across barriers and borders. The ability to grieve so deeply as many of us are as to what's happening in the Sudan and in the Ukraine. What kind of miracle is that? That our hearts and our souls would break for people we don't know halfway around the globe. And that we would even want to do something about it. That may be a pretty big miracle. I just love this about Jesus. The power to heal and transform and bring forward new life. Even for us. What a miracle worker. You've got to love that about Jesus, I hope. Amen. Now is the time in our worship service where we have the opportunity to sit back, to reflect on, and to meditate on the message that we just heard, and to think about the miracles that God has provided in our own lives, those moments of healing and transformation when our lives have been made new by the love and grace of our Lord. As we think of those miracles and transformations, we have the opportunity to say thanks by presenting our tithes, gifts, and offerings to God so that we can continue the work of God's healing in the world. As you contemplate giving, you can give online through our website. You can mail in a check, or if you happen to be here in person, you can drop your offering in the offering plates that are available to you at the doors on your way out. Let us receive the gift of music as we contemplate the gifts that we have given.
Please join me in a moment of prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we are truly amazed at how you can turn the gifts that we give to you into new life and opportunities for others. Continue to use us, our lives, and the gifts that we give to the church in ways that transform the world, shining your light, offer healing, hope, and miracles to those in need. In your name we pray, amen. this service has been a blessing to you and that you will also take the light of your faith and of Christ into this world so that it may brighten wherever there is darkness. Let this be a sign unto you, we're told. Jesus' life begins that way and as his ministries unfold, we are reminded to look closely at him and to notice him. Since through him, God is talking to us, touching and changing us. Jesus is a sign of God's nature, of God's purposes. 
let this be a sign unto you. Be safe. Stay healthy. Know that you are loved. Oh